Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2, the safe space created for Black women by Black women to strip away the taboo of talking about mental health. You'll hear from mental health professionals and advocates as well as Black women sharing their experiences as we break down the complexities, explore ways to heal, and support each other. My name is Ashley, I'm your host. Whether you're a seasoned regular or this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for your support. Now let's get into today's episode. This is another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. I'm your host, Ashley. Thank you to everyone that's joining. Um, We have a special guest today. I'm super excited because she was actually referred by another guest. They have the same last name. I don't know if there's any relation there. Maybe, maybe not. Um, But I'm super excited. Uh, Today on the podcast, we have Ashley Johnson. I'm going to go ahead and drop all the mental health acronyms that are at the end of everybody's (laughs) name, (laughs) and I'll let her get into those. But Ashley Johnson is LAPC, NCC, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, yep. And MFT. No. No. <laughs> that must have been in my notes. Need to C-M-H-C. Okay. Lots of, lots of, lots of letters. <laughs> um, she is also an artist, which um, I find really, really cool. So we'll get into a little bit more of that. But Ashley is a licensed associate professional counselor. Um, she's got a master's in clinical mental health counseling. Um, she has been working with young adults, adults and seniors um, in clinical outpatient and inpatient settings, as well as adolescents in foster care. Um, she has been providing individual therapy to young adults with depression, anxiety, uh, low self-esteem, life transitions, and relationship struggles. Um, and she has recently returned to one of her original passions, which is leading process um, psych education groups for young adult women of color. Um, who are looking to discover and own and love their most authentic self. Did I mention she's a music lover and an artist too? I don't know how you're doing all of that, but that's amazing. So (laughs) Ashley, thank you for coming. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. That was a great introduction. It's nice to hear someone's other like perspective of like what you tell them, Um, but you you hit all the things. Oh, thanks. (laughs) I didn't miss anything. Nothing. I mean, there's always little things. You'll, you'll, we'll, 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 we'll get into it. it. We'll get into it. <laughs> so, Ashley, where are you from? Like, tell the people where where you're from. Where are you yeah. at now? So, where I'm from, I uh, was raised here in uh, Georgia, actually Kennesaw, Georgia. I was born in Queens, New York. Can't rep it because I came when I was like one. Um, but I've been here my whole life. Uh, currently, um, you know, working in the Smyrna area, but. Uh, for the most part, I've spent most of my time in Kennesaw, uh, Marietta, Cobb County area. Mm-hmm. Now, where is that in proximity to Atlanta? Because that's it all I know. It ain't Atlanta. Um, okay. <laughs> and I say that because, you know, people be like, where are you from? And they be like, I'm from Atlanta. I can't. I can't do that. Okay. Um, and I'm okay with that. I don't okay. think everyone else is. Sometimes we like to claim <laughs> things. And um, no, it's, it's North Georgia. It's North of Atlanta. Um, so... We're close, but not not in the city. It's okay. more suburban area. I'm pretty sure there's a song that just came out not too long ago. And it was um, a girl that was rapping in the, the chorus was like, she was naming different areas of Georgia. She was like, it ain't Atlanta. It ain't Atlanta. And I was like, oh, okay. It's, it's real. It's Check serious. your area code. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's all you got to ask is what's the area code? And you're like, oh, okay, never mind. Mm, okay. And you know exactly... Mm-hmm. 
I know who I am and I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. No, I feel you. I, I was actually born in New York. Uh-huh. And I remember when I was little, I was so excited because I thought I was born in the Bronx. And, you know, the Bronx was cool back uh-huh. then. Uh-huh. And one day, I don't know if my mom overheard me telling somebody. And she was like, you weren't born in the Bronx. You were born in Bronxville. And I was like, okay. You sound different. Where'd so I, I was only there for eight months. And then I went to <laughs> Vegas. I claim Vegas. But, okay, yeah, I was like six or seven telling everybody I was from the Bronx. Not mm. So I stopped telling anybody I was from Bronxville. Well, at least you learned early on in life. Yeah. You, 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 you were like 60, like, like so rapid, like you 25, know. like, you know, from the Bronx, eight months. You know? Yeah. Thank, thank God I got that straightened out early. Yes. yes. So I know during the introduction um, that I gave for Ashley, we touched on a lot of things. She's doing all the things. Um, but let's kind of start with just you entering the mental health field. So what inspired you to pursue a career in, in counseling? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I always like to use uh, maybe this form of reference and then I'll work my way to where I'm at. But um, I think naturally I've always just um, really had a passion for understanding people. Um, like I remember like times laying in my bed, like asking the question, why? Like, why is it like this? Why is this happen? Why, why? And I would get mad because I couldn't answer all the things. Um, And then that would translate into being elementary student. And like, uh, I remember after school, like kids would have like issues or conflicts and they'd be like, Ashley, come here. Like, what, what do we do? And it would be something about being able to hear both sides and understand both perspectives and just in that moment help in that way. Um, So I think naturally I've kind of had that personality um, over time. We may talk about how that maybe came part of my identity. Um, Mm -hmm. But through that, went through trials and tribulations with that um, and essentially went to school at um, started out actually I started at Savannah State and then transferred to Georgia State um, to pursue my psychology degree that's when I actually realized I wanted to pursue psychology because I really had a had a really good social um, what was it uh, I can't remember the name of it um, I had a good class basically in Savannah State and I realized like that was when I realized like, like I want to do more of this um, and so once I went to school for that, um, I just kept pursuing those classes, enjoyed it. And um, once again, more trials and tribulations came. And then I realized, like, I, I want to learn more about how to be a support to people who go through things that I've went through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always believe things happen. Not everything happens for a reason, but certain things, are they just fall into place. And this was like one of those things that I couldn't ignore. It was meant for me to go to school and pursue counseling. Um, I think, I guess, I guess to answer your question in a nutshell, it was, it just found me. Um, mm. And um, I remembered like the interview and everything to um, start the program that I went and got my grad um, degree in and it just felt right. Um, and yeah, so I just kind of pursued from there um, and became a counselor. Was there ever a point Kind of like, you know, when you get into college, for me, when I got into college, I changed my major like three times, but I had always been like kind of on a, on the, on a path. Yeah. But was there a point where you were like, oh, maybe this isn't what I wanted to do. And then maybe switched, maybe, maybe you didn't switch your majors, but was there a point where you kind of thought there was other things that you may want, may have wanted to pursue? 
Yeah. So it wasn't so much um, while I was already in the degree. It was more so before I, I found it or it found me. It was I was undecided, like at Savannah State. I I was running track at the time. Like the whole goal in that moment was just experience being away from home, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, which was needed because um, I needed to figure out who I was and outside of that system. And so then at the same time, I was running track, which that was fun. So I was undecided. I was undecided. Um, probably didn't use the resources available to me available to me at the time. So I just was just taking anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how I got in some of the classes I got into. Like I was in like this like really advanced art class. Mm-hmm. Um, like people were about to graduate next year kind of art class. And I was in it. Um don't know hmm. how that happened, but I was there. <laughs> um, so that was kind of maybe a signal at the time that I was considering art, uh being an artist. I actually enjoyed like making art and drawing, and I, that was another passion of mine as a kid. Um, and so that's kind of all I knew. Um, but I ended up not going that route because it felt like work. Um, I didn't like having the deadlines. Um, it was too much to balance both like with track and creating art and, you know, practices and then doing other classes. So, um, yeah, so I would say I started out undecided, considered art that didn't work, but then that sociology class, that's the class. So I, used to be so tired. Like I would be in class so tired, drained from practice, you know, 5 a.m., you know, runs and all that stuff. And I would, I ain't gonna lie. Like I'd be, I'd be half asleep in these classes. I don't know how I passed them, but I was, I was barely there. But this class, I was awakened. I was in the front. I was listening. It was a black woman leading the, the class. She knew her stuff and, and she was really like dropping some gems. And I was just like, wow, like this is interesting. And so that's kind of what led me down the psychology path. I was like, there's more here that I want to learn. So wow. after, that, after that, I was good. I was just, I was just continuing on that path. Wow. That's mm-hmm. awesome. I, and we'll get into a little bit more. Um, I know you mentioned that you were an athlete, a student athlete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I was a student athlete back in the day, but I, I have a few questions for you later, you know, late in the episode. But yeah. um, I think you might be one of the first student athletes turned mental health professional on the podcast I think I could be forgetting but to my knowledge I think Mm -hmm. you might be the first so welcome it's good to be here you know got some injuries but we're good (laughs) it happens it happens it's hard to avoid so is there a specific population that you work with now or that you would like to work with yeah um I know I keep maybe saying this but I I, I do believe that I don't have to look for things that it, it will find me. And so that's kind of what I've, we talked about. Like the, I have aligned clients I described. Um, so I, I started out, you know, working in inpatient, uh, outpatient settings, agencies and all of that, which was great experience and has shaped me a lot as a clinician. Uh, but once I um, realized that I kind of hit a wall in those areas that I wanted to branch out and see individuals one-on-one, um, I think I started out kind of just, finding people or not even so much finding people, but just putting my, my name out there. And it was cool at the time. And I was getting all types of um, clients, but <clears throat> over time I've realized that young adult women, black women in particular, um, individuals who suffer from, you know, um, low self-esteem, um, not really knowing who they are and wanting to figure out, you know, um, who I'd like to be, who, who, who is the authentic version of me. Um, those are the kind of individuals that kept kind of coming in and essentially like those individuals were little bits of me. Um, and so I, I've had a lot of clients, um, young women who 
just really want a safe space to talk about the things that maybe they feel like they can't talk about because they have to appear like they have it all together. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, that was a theme for me as well. And so like, just understanding like, um, this may be the first time that they talk about some of these things um, and how important it was for me to hold that space and not judge and not criticize and just commend them, um, which made it safe enough for them to explore other options of identifying who they are. So um, yeah, so I would say right now, young adult women, um, black women in particular, I'm open to seeing anyone, but those are the individuals that I find most like, this is the sweet spot. This is the work that I'm called to do in this field. That's awesome. Um, and I, I love what you said about like them. It's interesting that you said there's like a common theme, particularly with the young black women that you're working with, where there's kind of like this pressure to, like you said, feel like you have it all together, present to the world, like you have it all together. Um, what are some pieces of advice um, that you use yourself mm-hmm. to try to avoid kind of holding that hat or holding that weight on your shoulders of like, I have to keep it all together. What are some pieces of advice that you have for that? Yeah. Um, so number one, what I've learned is, which is, it's very ironic that um, we all identify with struggle, but for whatever reason, our default is to isolate. When we struggle, we withdraw. Whatever that inner critic is telling us, it's saying, you know, don't show this side of you. But this is like the one thing that I, I have, observed myself and just over time brings us together. Um, And so the advice I would give is that, you know, like in those moments of struggle, like this is the moment to connect, not disconnect um, with people. Um, Yeah, I, I I guess I'm wondering like why people do that, but I I understand, I think it's, it it feels safe in the moment, but over time, that's like a, the main thing that I'm thinking about. I'm, I'm trying to remember your question, but I ain't gonna go lie. I went on, <laughs> I, went okay. on I went on that tangent. I was like, "That's okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring you back. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, bring, bring me back. Bring me back real quick. <laughs> so, so I'm, you know, I walk into your office mm-hmm. and let's say I'm 22 year old Ashley yeah. back in mm-hmm. the day, just graduated. Um, now I'm like, what am I gonna do with my life? Yeah. Um, and I walk in and I'm just like, I'm there's so much pressure, particularly I feel like when you're graduating, right? Yeah. So you're graduating especially in this day and age. And now maybe I'm going through struggles. Like maybe I'm trying to find a job and the only jobs I find, I feel like I'm overqualified for based on like the degree that I have and what everybody tells you in college. And um, at this point, like I'm defeated, like, what do I do? But I can't really go tell somebody that I'm defeated. I just graduated. You know, I just had a big graduation party. Um, But to be honest, like I'm panicked. So like, what's, what's your, what should I do? What should you do? <laughs> so obviously you're operating out of a place of fear. Um, and a lot of that fear is based off um, the fear of how people may perceive you in this moment of maybe not having it all figured out. And that's the theme that I noticed with young adults. Like, you know, when we are at this highlight pivotal moment of our careers that society has deemed as being like a major shift in your life that you should have it all figured out. And at that point, there's a certain expectation, whether you put it on yourself or whether people have told you you should be by then. Um, and so we first got to take the fear away a little bit. We got to we got to get this emotional intensity down to a manageable level to where you can actually access like your logical mind. Because if you think about you're in fight or flight, you're trying to survive and, and you really haven't took a step back to realize actually you're still safe. Like you're actually 
okay where you are. Um, and so I would have to identify like, what, what exactly are you afraid of? Um, mm. Like, what are the things that you feel would happen if you didn't have this figured out right now? Yes, you may be overqualified in this way, but what other options are there out there? Um, the thing about trauma or even just uh, overwhelming emotional experiences, we tend to get really rigid in our thinking mm -hmm. patterns. We, we can't see the, the, the nuances, the, the gray, um, the wise mind, they, they call it, when the emotional and the logical can come together, that wise mind, the, the bigger perspective. And so um, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, you know, when you isolate in that, you know, it, it can feed off of that. And so I think it's important to, to know you're not alone. Um, there are so many people that deal with that. Um, to have friends that open up and be vulnerable about those struggles makes you feel like, oh, wow, like this is probably part of the process. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it's one of those moments of time that you will have to like maintain holding space for the both and that this is scary, but, and I'm hopeful that this can change or I'm hopeful that I'm, I'm okay just where I'm at or these are other op options I can consider to change my predicaments. But like, you can't do that until you branch out and open up your heart space and your mind. Like if everything is kind of closed up and restricted because you're so scared, hmm. you can't see those those options. So it's, it seems like you're almost like trapped within that fear mm -hmm. complex. Like everything that you're scared of is actually making you completely immobile. Yeah, it, it, yeah. that's exactly what it does. It, it can cripple you. Um, some people may uh, argue it's not just that, that you may overcompensate. Mm -hmm. I've seen, I've seen young adults um, who, you know, they're such bright individuals and, they're, and, they, and they don't see their, their value just yet. They, they just kind of are operating out of the system of do, doing, conditional, you know, like I, mm -hmm. I need to do this to, to feel good about myself. Um, and so if they don't feel good about themselves and their identity is, is maybe, let's say, tied to their work performance or their academic success, which which makes sense. You've been doing this all of your life. You've been in school and you've been getting grades and like you've been getting straight A's maybe, or you maybe for the most part, um, maybe struggled with getting good grades and your parents, you know, was, were on you about that. So it's like your worth may have been tied to that or organically. And so now you're at a, a moment in your life where you're like, who am I? Because I don't have this figured out and, and there's no validation. There's no, I'm, I can't get nothing tangible to show that I'm doing enough because this is how I've been operating for years. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's deep, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so it really, it really, it's, uh, it challenges a young adult's thinking. And that's why when, when clients come in, they're struggling because like, they don't have those tangibles. And so they're really having to look at themselves and it be enough. Just, yeah. Yeah. That's deep. I think, um, man. So I, I want to go back to kind of what you said about as you go through childhood, you know, mm -hmm. you go through elementary school, you go through middle school, high school, for some people, maybe you go to college, maybe you jump right into the real world, mm -hmm. but our identity is really tied to that external validation from teachers, from our parents, um, and like a grade is associated with it, or a percentage is associated with it, or a GPA is associated with it. And I think for so long, you're told if you're, you're doing well because you have good grades or maybe, you know, for student athletes, you're doing well because you scored 20 points at a basketball game, or maybe you set a new record on the track or whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. 
And I know for myself, as a former student athlete, a retired <laughs> professional <laughs> athlete, I went through a similar process um, where once sports ended, like real sports, competitive, like once basketball ended for me, it was a tough point. Um, and I retired twice. The first time I was retired, I was like 24, uh, 20, 23, 24. But I was still kind of like riding that early 20s high of like, I can do anything and like anything's possible. And I know who I am. I was very confident in like who I was at the time, because in my head, I was still this chick that like went to play ball at school. And I was still I was still riding off of all of that external validation that I received. But the second time I retired, when I knew it was officially over, Mm -hmm. it was tough. Like, Mm -hmm. who am I and why should people like me now? And like, how do I replace all this external validation how do I know I'm doing well because for years my coaches told me I was doing well my counselors told me I was doing well you know academic counselors my teachers were the ones to tell me if I was doing well in life or if I wasn't and it was a really hard pivot to then be like am I doing well like nobody else is going to tell me like maybe my work will tell me but that's not the same it's like how do I get to that point And it it took a long time for me to be like, okay, who am I outside of basketball, outside of like academic success? And now I'm trying to make sure that I don't get into that same path with work, you know, Mm. trying to um, form so much of my identity around how well I'm doing at work. Like I can be proud of it, but I think, you know, it sounds like from what you're saying, just making sure that your 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 definition of your identity is steeped in what you think about yourself mm-hmm. not what others think mm-hmm. yeah. yeah no it's it's important um for you to name that um because you are the one that's living with yourself not the other people that are claiming that or putting that on you um so if it doesn't settle if it doesn't feel true you're literally walking around being someone that you're not um mm. You know, and, and people do that. People wear masks in various settings, even in situations where we, we, we kind of have to. We may feel like we have to just to get through, um, you know, work environments or certain settings. But, you know, some people don't take their mask off. Ever. You know, ever. Yeah. Even when they get home. And, yeah. um, you know, like that's a question I have to ask certain clients or even myself at times. Like, what would it look like just to peel back just a little bit of that? Just peel just a little bit. You don't got to do the whole thing just yet. What would you show? What do you feel mm-hmm. safe enough to show? Um, and to, you know, to go what you were talking about, like I um, definitely identify with being an athlete. Um, started at six years old and continued on till college. Um, you know, did a few sports, and um, you know, I, I think when you think about it, at six years old, you're really like fresh out the gate trying to figure out the world, and so you really only have so many forms of reference. And what I've learned through therapy and counseling and and just over time is like, and I've heard from a a few professors that taught me, like, there is a certain lens that the child does have to look through because if they deem the world unsafe outside of them, then that that's dangerous. Like that's dangerous territory for, for a child to like, say, Hey, mom and dad did this wrong, or maybe, um, you know, this isn't right outside of me. Like, then the, the world is unsafe. Cause what are you going to do? Like, you don't have that capacity to survive on your own. Um, and so like, that's why people who deal with, you know, parents who divorce, they internalize that. So it's like, if you go through life, like that, 
then you're really heavily relying on the external validation that you receive. And so there's a lot of meaning that you attach to that. So I, I learned through going to like, you know, from six and years old and on <clears throat> that I, I just, I like to do well. Um, and I think that's a personality trait, character trait, nothing wrong with that. I like to, I value, you know, putting in my all, I value like showing up. Um, my name's going to be on it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to, you know, half-ass, whatever. Yeah. But, like, but at the same time, what I learned was that because I did do that well, and I was so tenacious in the in those ways, um, when I didn't show up in that way all the time, people started treating me differently. Um, like, and me being, me starting out in the softball game, I was playing softball. So in Kennesaw, softball, I was usually the only black person. Like, yeah. Either <laughs> me, like, yeah, like, either me and like the other girl. And like, maybe they, you know, Brandy, I know I remember like, like y'all sisters like we don't look anything alike but we're just black okay yeah. you know so it's the politics it's that and so here we are you know killing it and they call us you're a beast and I'm like why well, I gotta be a beast why can't I just be a good athlete right and you, you get all this validation and approval and people love you and then you don't perform well one game and it's like nobody's talking to you nobody's like congratulating nobody no nobody you're not there yeah. um and so that that would help me feel seen, I guess, when, when I think of it that way. Um, I was seen as an athlete and that made me feel good, but I wasn't seen maybe in other ways. So I relied on that. Um, and then fast forward to just like stopping being an athlete, I guess you'd say. Um, I was injured all the time in grad school at Savannah State and then transferred to uh, Georgia State. I didn't run track anymore. And like you were saying, like took a break off that and eventually started to work. And that's where it translated back. Like, okay, well, I'm going to be the best worker, da, 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 you know, fill in the blank. Um, and that still wasn't what exactly I needed either. It was kind of just this replacement. Like I, I took mm -hmm. this out and put this on top. Um, and so to, to kind of highlight what you were saying, this is the thing that I've learned so far about identity if I was to put a circle on a board, right, and I usually ask clients, like, how, what, what have you tied to your identity? Um, some may have a slew of things, whether it's those, the things that they have identified within themselves or the things that people put on them. And then some people may only have, like, three or four things. And <clears throat> if I was to ask them, how much weight do you put on these things? And you say, well, I value being a great uh, uh great in my career, you know, and I, and I weigh as 85 to 90%. So what happens when you don't perform well then in your career, you lose all sense of self-worth and, and, and self-love, you know, like it's, it's like everything just crumbles because mm -hmm. you haven't diversified your portfolio. Diversify your bonds. Yeah. <laughs> Old reference. <laughs> Show my I couldn't help myself. It was in my head and then it was out. Yeah, you know, diversify, diversify your portfolio, your bonds, diversify it. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause if, cause there's going to be moments where we're going to fall short. So I think that's the thing. People don't take the time out to explore what other things that they authentically genuinely feel and translate to who they are as a person. Um, they, they just really hold tight to that one thing. And so they put all their eggs in one basket. The basket falls. Who are you? I don't know. There's nothing left. Nothing left. Wow. I think, I know we're talking and, um, oh, it looks like Aloria's here. Hey, girl. 
Okay. Alora used to be my co-host. She's okay. one of my good friends. Hey, yes. girl. Hey. <laughs> hey. Um, but I know that you talked. Uh, I, I think it's. I think I know we're talking right now in terms of like young people, but I really think this this spans across all age groups because yeah. if you are this young person, if you were this young person, mm-hmm. and you only, like you said, you didn't diversify your portfolio and your identity is really only you know maybe it's mom and it's um maybe you're like a great manager at work or maybe you're a coach or whatever it may be but if that's all that you are what happens when that disappears and I wonder um how a year like 2020 Mm. affects people Mm -hmm. like that you know um when you start to lose the thing that you've been holding on to most, whether it be sports or whether it be your career. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine like for somebody that has a kid that's 18, that's leaving the house. Well, you're still a mom, but that role is very different. So how mm-hmm. do you like, now you're an empty nester, whatever they call mm-hmm. it. And how do you like, who are you at that point? Right. So I guess for, would you suggest like people just going out and trying new things for somebody that, you ask that question, who are you? How do you define your identity? And they've got two things, two things that can very easily be lost, mm-hmm. like like that. Like, would you suggest them? I kind of feel like it's maybe an inner child thing. I don't know. But would you suggest them kind of think about like, what were you into before you had this identity? Mm-hmm. And like, would, do you want to explore that again? Or do you want to explore something totally new? Like what? What what would you suggest at, at that point? Now you're saying all the things. You oh, yeah. yeah you, 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 go ahead. You, I'm just going to stand and listen. I, yes, all the yeah. things. It's You got to hit all the angles. You got to hit all the angles. Like, you can't. If I if I am at the drawing board, right, and I have a mm-hmm. huge dry erase board, and I can create whatever I want on this big board, I'm not going to just stay right here and, like, look at this small section of the board. I want to look at the whole picture. So... Mm-hmm inner child, like you said, <clears throat> there's so much you can learn from your inner child. Um, because and for those, sorry, yeah. actually, for Go those ahead. that don't, yeah. that we're, we're throwing out the words inner child. Mm-hmm. And for somebody that's listening, that's like, I don't know what the heck they're talking about. Is this somebody's baby? Like what does <laughs> inner child mean? Yeah. That's um, that little girl or that little boy that you were um, growing up and the things that you needed that maybe were unmet or the things that were met. Um, if you were to just kind of go back to that child, um, who was he, who was she? Um, what were they passionate about? What did they need? Um, what did they love? What were they missing? Um, what did they cherish? What did they value? Um, so really just getting to know and building a relationship with that child self, um, and that really giving you a, a perspective of maybe more of who you are and that identity that you started from um, and kind of where you kind of trans, you know, transcended to where you are now. So it's, that's how I would define it for right now. Like it's, it's really just getting to know that child self. Um, mm-hmm. If I were to ask you to describe your inner child, mm-hmm. give me three words that describe your inner child. (sighs) 
it's funny I, I say this word, but um, it's for another day. Um, I was gonna say sweet. That was my my initial um, or nice. Um, hmm. Innocent. Um, curious. I love that. And so do you feel like you are like reconnecting with some of those traits now or some of those words now? Both and um, the sweet and niceness was a, I guess that initial um, description of that of me as a child was like, maybe how I thought I should be or how I just created myself over time. Um, I like to think myself as still being a kind person, but I also am not afraid to address the truth, um, even if it hurts. And so I think that over time has been a form of reference that I've loved about myself, but have had to create holistically that allows me to advocate um, my own needs and, and, and all of that. So yes, in no with that one. Um, as far as the innocence, um, I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't know if I consider myself innocent per se, but I also would say that I, I guess my innocence now is more so like, I just like to, the great, the greater good. That's all, that's all I'm all about. Like, what is the greater good? Um, and I always try to meet people like where they are um, and just see the goodness in people, even, even when it's hard. Um, so like, that innocence, I think, has like translated into my adulthood. Um, the curiosity, I think, is more so now where I'm tapping into, where it's more so showing up as creativity. Um, and so being open-minded to creation, which comes from a curious place. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that curiosity has like allowed me to, to not go by the, the rules, go by the, the structure of what I feel like I should be or what it should look like, even within therapy. Um, and so I think that's helped um, to like tap back into that. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. And how is that creativity showing up for you nowadays? Oh man, I don't know what's going on right now in the, in the universe, like <laughs> right now, but like my creative juices are flowing right now. And it's, it's, it feels so good. I keep talking about it because I can't stop talking about it. It's like, I feel so much more like myself than I've ever had. Um, oh, that's beautiful. Oh yeah. It's, Dang. it's been hard. It's been a hard, now let me tell you, I know it sounds nice and, and all that, but like, it took me having to figure out that I wasn't happy for a while. Like I was, there was these, these big chunks of like, you think about a puzzle, like there's a huge, maybe there's small little pieces, but like there's this big chunk that's missing. And I just, mm couldn't figure out what it was, or maybe I knew what it was, but I was afraid to tap into that because I thought I should be focused on my career or I should be doing these other things that are more important or more adult-like, I don't know. Um, but for me to go back to my creativity, like that was the thing that was also who I was as a kid. Um, so it's it's been nice. Like I, it shows up now as um, music and, um, that's like my little baby. I, I like cherish, um, my creative expression when it comes to music. And I used to do music a lot growing up as a kid. Um, that was the thing that was introduced to me from a friend, a good friend. And after that, it never left me. Even when he, even though, even when I moved on and I was doing my own thing, 
I took that with me. That was my choice. Like it was like, mm. it was, I decided that was who I was. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, music is one of them. Um, anything that's just artistic or creative, um, I like to hear and learn about other people's creative beings. Um, Cause I think uh, we tend to forget that part of ourselves. And, and I don't know, I believe, may I do some research and we can debate. I think <laughs> everyone has a creative part of them. I feel like I do too. I feel like everyone has it. And some people say, no, I don't know. No, you do. And yeah. I, and I, you just may not identify it as creativity just yet, but it's already there. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, it's, so I, I, I was in a job interview. This was maybe like a, a year ago. Mm-hmm. Didn't get the job. Thank God. Cause I'm where I need to be now. But, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was in a job interview and, uh, full transparency. I'm a project manager in the the daytime and she asked me are you creative and I was in like a panel interview with like five other people somebody was like in their car and the phone is like you know moving up and down so I'm like okay am I creative I said no and in in my head I I I realized okay I'm creative but I'm not a graphic designer I'm not an artist um I don't draw I mean I used to draw and stuff when I was little but in my head in that moment my gut reaction was to say no because my creativity didn't fit in with the things that we deem creative Mm -hmm. in society Mm -hmm. and I remember the person it's like a lot of people on the call but the person that was kind of like the highest up on the call she kind of like cocked her head to the side and was like hmm and then the other people started chiming in they're like oh you're creative and I had just answered all these other interview questions and was so creative and somebody had mentioned, oh, you answer this question like in this way and like nobody's ever answered it in this way. And of course you're creative, like trying to kind of amp me up. Mm-hmm. I could tell she was like bought in for me, but the yeah. other, the, I, and I, I hung up that, hung up after that interview, got off the Zoom call and I was like, I'm not getting that. Like, what did I just do? Why would I sit here and say I'm not creative when I know I am? But how, and then it kind of like, made me think, how do I, how do I define my creativity? Like, I know I'm a creative person and, but what does that look like in that particular like lane, like in the project management lane, how am I creative? So yeah, I think it's, it's true. What you say is like creativity. I definitely think anybody and everybody has some type of creative bone in them. What, how that manifests itself? I don't know. And how it manifests itself over time. Cause like when I was younger, I was super creative. I was drawing and like, um, I used to like put mixtapes together. This is back CDs for anybody that's like, I don't know, under 22 or something. You've probably never seen a CD before, but I used to make my own like playlist essentially on CD. And I used to like, you know, do transition. I was like really into music. I'm still into music, but I was like, oh, one day, you know, if I go overseas for basketball, I'm going to try to DJ there. And I just kind of got so focused and my identity became Ashley's a basketball student athlete and that's it. Mm -hmm. And that's what a hundred percent of my time, you know, and energy went into Mm -hmm. Um, that. I feel like I kind of lost that creative juice in that aspect. And so the creativity like came on the basketball court Mm -hmm. and, um you know schoolwork and stuff but yeah those like when we think creative I think of like crayons Mm. and 
paint getting thrown on the wall. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think of like, how can I put a project together using different pieces of software and like make this beautiful. Like, that is so creative. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't, I did not give myself the credit that I deserved and that I should have like shown in that, in that space. So if anybody's listening, don't ever answer that question. No. on an interview Cause you're not going to get the job. <laughs> They, they, you're not gonna get it. Just hey, just close the laptop after you answer that Look, question. If they was creative enough in that in that interview, they would have known. She's saying no because it is, but I really know it's this, and so I'm gonna give her the job so she can show me the real creative person that she is. That she don't even see just yet, but she gonna show it because it's already there. Yeah, that's that's creativity right there. But it's okay. Yeah. It, look, everything like you said, everything is. Yeah, I think know, I needed her to say no. I think I needed her mm-hmm. to be like, mm, really. Because I, I think yeah. in that moment, she wanted me to step up and, and know no. and be like confident mm-hmm. in, in what I was doing and what I yeah. was supposed to, you know, what the intent, what I was supposed to do for them. But um, I needed her to have that reaction because the other four people on the call or however many people had that, had that reaction that you're talking about, which is like, of course you're creative. You already did this. But she didn't want me to need a hype man sure. to know that I was creative, which I'm thankful that she was like, are you sure? <laughs> Nothing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like doing a podcast, doing all the graphics <laughs> stuff for the podcast. I'm like doing all this other stuff, you know, that for other companies. And I got off that call. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> like, really? And I told my mom, I told my husband, they're like, <laughs> they did the same like head cock to the side. Like, why would you say that? <laughs> um, so I know that you talked a bit about music. And so we're going to, take a couple minutes to play a little game okay oh gosh <laughs> actually we're just gonna take one minute so <laughs> over this one minute i'm gonna go through and i'm either gonna name an artist maybe a song mm-hmm. maybe an instrument and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind oh okay okay you ready yeah get my timer at three two one Genuine. Oh. <laughs> Wait. First thing. <laughs> Not the body roll. Are we doing like the 90s body roll or the recent the, 20s? The recent body roll. <laughs> I love me some genuine. I love genuine. He was trying very hard. Ooh. But I think, you know, we getting old. That's he all. is. He's, we, he's we still all, singing, though. We, we are, oh, yeah, he, he, he's amazing. I but love the him. body roll, he might yeah, want to hit a yoga class before he tries to hit that body roll. <laughs> <laughs> you had to stretch before that one. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Beyonce. I mean, the first thing I thought was put a ring on it. Dang. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, um, but like, yeah, put a ring on it. Okay. Uh, guitar. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I got a guitar looking at me right now that I ain't, I ain't touched yet. Oh. Um, what kind of guitar is it? I don't even know. Oh, good. So it was, it was, I know, I know. It was gifted to me, right? And okay. um, popped, the, popped the string. And I was just like, dang it. And then I just never went back. I got to go back. It's right in front of me. That's, okay. that's, that's a sign. I got to get it. a sign. There, there's I've always the universe has spoken. I'm not even giving you one word. I'm giving you a whole explanation. Go ahead. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, SWV. Weak. Um, I used to sing that song all the time. Yeah, I and love that karaoke. Song. 
Christmas this song. Really? <laughs> okay. Uh, microphone. Oh, I was gifted a microphone. I have a microphone now, but I had a podcast microphone, like the one you have. And it's time. I have not found it. And I don't understand why my mom and my stepdad are like, oh, I don't know what happened to it. I'm like, look, somebody got it. I don't know how we lost a microphone in this house. Somebody just started their podcast with your mic. Low key, my stepdad just started a podcast. I'm about to go check his mic. See sure it's you might want to just check the... <laughs> check and see what it says on the So, board. I'm glad I finally got one. But yeah, I had one a long time ago. Couldn't find it. Okay. Okay. Um, Afrobeats. Oh, yes. I love that vibe. Yes. Yes. Yeah, just yes. 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 Uh, Drake. Word. <laughs> I haven't heard his new mixtape. That's my thought. Okay. Or not mixtape, album. Um, yeah, okay. But uh, yeah, I, I love him. Curious to hear your thoughts. I liked it, but I like that type of music, so. Yeah. Um, um, beats. Learning how to make them. Okay. Waiting on getting some. Can't wait. Okay. Love it. Love <laughs> it. Okay. Um, Adele. Wow. Mm. First thought was wedding uh, because I sung that song at a wedding before. But she's amazing. And you can sing, sing if somebody asks you to sing at their wedding. <sighs> that was my stepsister, and she was being nice, I think. But no, let me not. That was my inner critic. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm, I'm observing that was my inner critic, trying to protect me from uh, disappointing people. Okay, anyways. Oh, so I love that little self-reflection. <laughs> uh-huh. Just, just, you know how you guys just acknowledge its purpose and say, that that's not what I really needed to hear. Um. No, it was uh, it was good. It was a good, it was a good opportunity. Okay, mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. Okay, um, hip hop, the best, the best. Okay, I mean, just what it likes. Um, Whitney Houston, icon, icon. Yes, 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 yes. Um, okay, one more. Um, Burna Boy. Hmm? Burna Boy. That that can be your answer. Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> hey, no disrespect. Okay, <laughs> okay <laughs> one more, one more. Um, um, if anybody is uh tuned in, Aloria, oh. if you want to uh drop in anything to do with music, anything, anything you want, um. Who's your favorite artist right now in this moment? First person that came to mind. Thames. Oh my gosh. I was going to say Thames. And I was like, <laughs> she don't know Burner Boy. She probably don't know Thames. Oh, so. no, 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 no. Real quick, quick story. I thought Thames was a man. Really? And I was, I found, I listened to her, I listened to her voice and I didn't know who she was, but I came across Free Mind and I was like, oh, and I played it like crazy and I kept playing more of her music. And then finally somebody told me, that's not a he, that's a she. And it took me so long to just like change my mind around the voice, but yeah. she, her voice, everything. Yeah. Her voice is beautiful. insane. She's got that like Tony Braxton, like mm. she, her voice is like down here and it's just like, yes, smooth. It's, Ooh. If you haven't listened to Thames, it's T E M S. She's an amazing 
Afro beats R and B ish mm-hmm. singer. She's been on like Drake song. She's on the new like Drake Future song. If you listen to them, um, it, another person that often gets mistaken for a guy is Coffee. I don't know if you listen to Coffee. I've, I've heard of Coffee. I don't. I don't. No. She's, I mean, she's a Jamaican artist. She's a reggae I'm gonna, artist. I'm, I'm going to check it out. I like reggae, but I'm, yeah. I'm going to check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she's amazing. I saw her in concert the other day. Um, insane. Um, okay. Yeah, I love music. I love that. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I probably only give you like one word for like two of the questions. It's okay. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you a couple uh Burna Boy songs after this okay. so you can, you know, if you like Thames, you'll like Burna Boy. Well, put me on. Put me on. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so... Let's get back into the episode. So let's, I know we've talked a lot about identity. We're going to kind of switch gears and talk a little bit about self, self-love. self So I know if anybody's listening to this podcast and is like typically, typically listen to this podcast, shout out to y'all. Um, you know, I talk a lot about self-love. Um, I've had like entire an entire episode about self-love, but I'm always curious to see how it looks on for different people. So how does um how does what does self-love mean to you? Well, I think of self-love, the phrase that I usually um come up with in that moment is I love myself enough. Um and I say that because there's gonna be times where if we look at the full picture of like who we are, there may be things that we love about ourselves, there may be mm-hmm. things that we that we like maybe not in love just yet, but we like it. And there may be things that mm, kind of still struggle with those things or those things that um, we may want to change for the betterment of ourselves. But I love myself enough. Like I love myself in all of me intrinsically too. It's not just external, what I can do for others or what I can produce. I love me, myself, and I, like the body, the spirit, the soul, the mind, the heart. It's, it's a self, a, a sense of unconditional love. Like I think about agape love, God's love. Like if I could ever get to that level, that's always the goal, right? Because he loves us. Like he, like I see it as it being that kind of love. Um, and so it's a journey. That's that's why they call it the self-love journey because you, you're constantly having to, um, you know, reevaluate and remind yourself of who you are and, and um, despite what the world may tell you, you know, or what mm-hmm. is pushed against that. What are some like misconceptions about self-love that mm. you've heard or that you may have heard, like seen kind of floating around or that yeah. you've heard from maybe people that you've worked with? Mm-hmm. That if I love myself, that I'm selfish or being selfish for loving myself or I'm a narcissist, uh, um, that, um, it's a sense self-love is just material. Um, like I provide these things for myself. So that means I love myself or I, um, you know, it's these tangible things. Um, what else? Um, that it's easy to love yourself at times, um, that the process it takes to, to love yourself, maybe in the beginning may result in some discomfort really, but that people may assume that if I just, do a few of these things, then it will just happen overnight. Um, mm. And so, um, yeah, it's a it's a commitment. It's it's a it's like it's like rebuilding a new relationship with yourself. And I and and I think there's myths about just it being uh, intervention or something. 
Um, like it's not, it's not just a one-stop shop. It's you have to commit to this and, and not, and not like leave that, leave self in that journey. You have to stay with yourself, even when it's, when it's rocky. Mm, even mm-hmm. when it's hard. Cause mm-hmm. I feel like self, it is a journey, but I feel like it's like, there's not really a destination. Like, it's just like this constant journey. And sometimes you're feeling great. Sometimes you're not. And like, I don't know. I feel like that self-love, it is that, it is, it is work to, yeah. to a certain degree. I think it is work and it is just constantly having to kind of like big yourself up and say, okay, I've got this. I'm worthy. I think sometimes we don't feel worthy, whether that be cut, because that's the roles that you know the identities that we have um or just maybe how we're feeling in that moment or what somebody may have said to us um but yeah I yeah I love that I'm I'm always curious about like what does self-love mean to other people so what are uh, two things that you do um and they could be tangible they could be intangible what are two things that you do to like give yourself love Mm. Lately, it's been feeding um, my creative mind, my creative self, um, giving myself permission to express myself without limitations um, and trusting that that it is good and that it is enough. Um, And um, as of recent, also checking in with myself first like if this is something that I truly want to do, like if someone asked me, hey, can you do this for me? Or if you, you da, 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 like I need you for this, um, that naturally over time, this would just be my default. Yes, 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 I'll do that. You know, I'm, an, I'm the nice, sweet Ashley, right? So I'm, I'm gonna do those things, but hold on, wait, let me just pause and check in with me. Is Do I have the capacity to do this right now? Um, that it doesn't mean that I don't wanna do it. It just means in this moment, and if it may be right in this moment, I can't, can I do it later? Like there's, there's certain things that you can work through. So I think for me, it's like pausing and really asking myself, like, like how, what do you think? Um, how do you feel about this? And then something just kind of tangible, I guess, real easy, um, which is pretty, uh, they call it generic, but it actually does a lot for me is baths. Mm-hmm. I will, I will get in a bath real quick. Same. <laughs> and I'll stay there until the water gets cold. Uh huh. And I heat it back up. And I'll exactly <laughs> drain half. You got to fill it with yes. hot, hot, hot water. <laughs> it's easy. Yeah. Yeah. Candle, all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have one candle in the bathroom, and um, a lot of nights, like when I go to take a shower, I will shut the door, turn the lights off, light the candle, and I'll shower in the dark with music, and that just like yes. calms my system because sometimes I'll. I, I love taking a bath, but sometimes I don't want to be in there for an hour. I don't have time or I don't have the energy, but it just like calms my nervous system. I think just having the lights dim outside of the room and then having the lights completely off in the bathroom and just having like the flicker of the flame. It's very like, it's very much a, I don't know. It's just a calming experience. If you haven't tried it and you um, like me have trouble calming down at night, my anxiety goes Phew! through the roof at night so that just that's just one thing physically that can help me personally but um we're talking about self-love so I want to switch gears again and talk a little bit about self-esteem but before we do that we are going to hop into the mind segments uh 
mind game segment of the <laughs> podcast. So um, if you haven't listened to an episode before, the mind game segment is basically a segment where I uh, describe a mental health disorder and you, the listener, get to guess and see what it is. If you're listening on Spotify, you can actually put your guess in the pop-up um, that comes up. If you get it right, I'll pin it. There may be one pinned right now. Probably need to unpin that. Um, but yeah, basically I read a description. Ashley, you're probably going to know it. Don't give it away. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So um, I'm going to go ahead and read this through again. Drop your guess in the description. And if you get it right, you can brag and, <laughs> and you can get it pinned. Okay. So this week's mind game here it here we go some people only experience a few episodes of this particular disorder they may experience a brief episode that lasts for a few days or weeks others may experience symptoms more frequently uh it could be uh this the symptoms could be uh, experienced in an association with longer-term illness such as schizophrenia the first episode of this disorder usually occurs in a person's late teens or early 20s. Some symptoms of this dis disorder include confused thinking, delusions, which are false beliefs that are not shared by others, hallucina hallucinations, which is hearing, seeing, smelling, or tasting something that isn't actually there, um, and changed behaviors and feelings. There are a few different types of this type of illness or disorder, uh, one is brief reactive. Uh, it could be drug induced. Again, schizophrenia, uh, bipolar disorder, and uh, depression, specific type of depression. So I will give you a couple more seconds to guess. Ashley, don't give it away. <laughs> All right. While you're guessing, again, if you're on Spotify, go ahead and drop your guess in the little question box. While you're guessing, uh, if you aren't following Black Girls Have Anxiety 2 on Bullhorn, that's B-U-L-L-H-O-R-N dot F-M, go ahead and click the link in the bio uh, or the link in the description. Follow us on Bullhorn. We are doing live stream episodes on Bullhorn. So we do them here and nowhere else. We're probably going to do them other places. They'll just be streamed. But the basis, the, you can tune in directly on Bullhorn. It's pretty cool because there is a call-in feature, there's a chat feature, and there's also a question feature where you can throw out questions and we can actually put them directly on the screen for everyone to see. So uh, it's a pretty cool interactive way to kind of join us in the episodes. Again, that's bullhorn.fm. Go ahead and follow us on Bullhorn. Um, if you follow us, then you'll be notified every time a live stream episode is scheduled and when we actually go live stream. Um, it's pretty cool. Now, let's go ahead and get into the answer for this mind game segment. The answer is psychosis or psychotic disorders. So uh, I will put the reference for that uh, in the description if you want to look more into it. Um, I definitely didn't know that there were like different types of psychotic illnesses, brief reactive psychosis, drug-induced psychosis, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, um, and those are just illnesses where psychotic symptoms can be present. Um, so yeah, very interesting. 
I think I have probably be, probably been using the word psychotic incorrectly for a long time. Probably need to like go back and rethink my use of like saying somebody's <laughs> psychotic when they're actually not psychotic. Um, yeah, just a self-check moment right there. But um, let's get back into it. So low self-esteem. And how is low self-esteem tied to the tied to your roles or tied to somebody's roles? How can it be tied to those roles? Well, um, when I think of low self-esteem, first of all, um, is the evaluation of ourselves. Um, and I, I would say it's, you know, based off of um, some form of reference, you know. Uh, and so if we're not um, getting approval um, in certain ways or validation in certain ways, how that can shape um, maybe what we deem to be uh, necessary to survive those types of environments or dynamics. And I say survive because it kind of is a survival tactic, like in order to maintain the sense of safety, emotional safety, physical safety, um, you know, mental safety, I need to be in this role to maintain homeostasis, they call it. So like, if you think about in science, and, and this is something that was introduced to me in school as well from one of my professors is like, we have this uh, equilibrium that essentially any system will have, whether it's within families, a classroom, a workplace, uh, friendships, um, anything. And so everyone kind of in a way has some form of role, whether they see it or not. And so organically you kind of fit that. Um, and if you think about low self-esteem based off your uh, upbringing and childhood experiences and kind of over time the approval or lack thereof that you receive from your um, behaviors and um, and input like you start to adopt roles to maintain that equilibrium um, and it depends on what role that is but it, it's it feels necessary it may be not in, you don't realize it in the moment but it, it's, it feels necessary to maintain in order to keep that that peace that calm mm. What are three kind of, from your perspective, biggest mm -hmm. causes of low self-esteem? I would say comparison. Mm. Um, we, like I said, all have this form of reference, right? Like we're not the only ones in the world. There's other people around us. There's so many ways to access information these days. And so naturally we're going to from ourselves compare in, in conjunction with something else. Now, how we do it is gonna dictate how we view ourselves internally. Mm. If I say this person is better than me or I'm not uh, good enough, um, then yeah, you're gonna start to think of yourself as not being good enough in comparison to others. Um, I think another one is their um, belief system, um, which, I'm sure you've heard many times cultivated throughout childhood, that lens that we look through life and how that lens shapes how we view ourselves, others in the world. And so if, you know, I've cultivated this uh, belief that, um, you know, I'm unworthy of love because I didn't receive that love from maybe a caregiver, you know, maybe my father was, you know, emotionally unavailable because of him working all the time or him not understanding my emotional needs because he didn't meet his own needs, you know, mm -hmm. that, um, that over time that that belief may drop and settle enough for it to be a, a operating like a core belief to where it operates out of these other thoughts. 
So negative thoughts are coming out of that core belief and shapes how I view the world. Um, and so that can kind of create its own cycle within itself if you think about it. So, you know, toxic relationships, um, I don't feel worthy of love, so I'm accepting anything um, that translates to maybe the love that I thought was love, but really isn't the love that I truly desire. And so I'm accepting of the, this pattern of um, relating to people. So it, it kind of fuels that belief over and over again, because you're back into that cycle. Um, mm. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of different things. I would say it's that, um, the comparison. Um, yeah. What's the, what's the first step? So if somebody comes in to see you and maybe they know that they have low, low self-esteem and that's something that they actively want to work on, like what's one tool that you would give them or teach them? The first thing, and I, I know I keep maybe using this as an example, is like looking at the bigger picture. Um, because I feel that, especially if someone already knows they have low self-esteem, they probably are really hard on themselves about having low self-esteem. So they so we first need to forgive yourself um, for you know maybe the things that you're carrying that really aren't yours to begin with um, and how mm. that's impacted you you know um, and I I I do that by first acknowledging okay where do we start how do we how do we get here and so we might have to like go back to figure out where you want to go and so if you think about like a tree a tree has roots and so those roots are the things that we've kind of over time built the foundation on and so we have to name what those roots are. Um, which is our values, our values that we've um, either identified as important to us or others have told us should be important. Um, and so as that branches out into the tree, um, then we're going to start to understand like who, how we identify who we are. That's where the identity comes in. Um, and so a lot of that is just more so understanding like where do we, how do we get here? And then, um, okay, let's grieve that. You know, let's understand like what that means and the losses that may have occurred in that transition. Mm. Now that we can forgive and accept that, acceptance meaning you don't approve that you like you like it. It's just it is what it is. It is the reality. Now we can start to piece together what was missing. What is the inner child that needed this, right? What is the things that were unmet, and what would it look like for you to provide that for yourself? How can you be that nurturer? How can you be that person, that kind voice, not the inner critic? Um, so it's, it's a lot of that and um, building off of that foundation, even if it doesn't settle, like when, like when you think about it's settling, right? Like maybe that core belief that I'm unworthy settles a lot quicker because I've been running that tape for 25 years, for 30 years, right? But if I create space to open up room to love myself enough, that that is so over time going to blossom into another fruit or another root. Um, but you have to create room for that. So it's not going to feel real or true in that moment but you have to commit to that. that's where the commitment comes in mm, it's a, it's a it's another journey mm-hmm. yeah wow that is do you do you feel like like these type of things should be addressed do you think it would be helpful if, if these conversations um with people regarding like self-esteem and identity like how early would you say it would be helpful to start having these types of conversations with people? I mean, as soon as you can, like, yeah, it reminds me as soon as you were talking about it, it reminds me of a, you've probably seen this, like the videos on social media. I think a couple of families or parents have like had their child in the mirror and they're, and they're doing these affirmations. Yeah. Like you're beautiful. You're smart. You're intelligent. And they're like saying it back. 
like what that's such a beautiful way to like introduce to your child how to like plant positive like mm-hmm. seeds into your into your psyche into your spirit um because the world is going to try to tell you who you are you know what i'm saying but what what a gift it is to like give your child the power to tell themselves who they are um and that be a skill that they learn way before like anyone else like um so i i would go as early as possible. And and it's more so not just about, oh, you get this affirmation because you cleaned up or, right. you, or you put your toys away or you, um, you know, did got a good grades. It's you are enough. Love mm-hmm. yourself enough. Like it's, it is enough. Even when you don't do the things, I love you unconditionally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, start early. I love that. Start early. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you could snap your fingers and choose any part of the mental health system to change right here, right now, in this moment, what would you change? Man, I just thought about this a lot of things at once, but um, in my initial thought was accessibility. Um, and in addition to that, um, that there's funding for that um, because as a clinician, it's it's hard out here. Like we have to do a lot to maintain our own um, livelihood at some points. Like, but at the same time, we want to serve people that also can't afford it, right? But it's like it, the 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 sacrifices that you you burn out because you're seeing all these clients and you don't have the capacity as a as a therapist. And so there needs to be money and funding and resources and accessibility and being able to reach these rural areas and these places that people can't travel to and the virtual like I'm, I'm so glad that that is an option but there, there's another thing and I'll just leave it at this because actually I'll go down the rabbit trail um <laughs> virtual resources for those who may have to get um treatment in hospital settings mm. and like when it gets that bad right where it's like we really need like really good care and like it's as soon as possible and and it's serious like what about the people that can't come to the hospital um from you know live miles away and i was glad to see that happen over time when i was in the place i was working at um but i also am seeing them going back to going face to face and so like i'm wondering how can that be an option um just to reach more people at once that's that's kind of where i'm at with that yeah thank you thank you for sharing that um I'm always curious. I think everybody has a different perspective. And I think particularly like as a mental health professional, not me, you, um, I, it's really interesting to hear like, what would you change first? And I think, excuse me, accessibility would be a game changer for, for a lot of people. Um, like now more than ever, I think people just need that. I feel like the more we learn about it, I wonder if some people are really feeling even more left out than ever now, knowing yeah. that they need it, having an understanding that like, I, I need this type of help, but now I, I the door is locked. Like I can't get in. Right. right. So um, I, I'm going to wrap this up by just saying like, thank you for everything that you do. I'm really happy that Amber introduced us, by the way, are you guys related or no? No, we're not. We're okay. just, we're just really good that. friends and we're not related because your name's Ashley and I'm Ashley. <laughs> it just, it just makes sense. You it's a popular last name. So I was like, you know, I just, 
I don't know if it's like, you know, y'all are cousins. I don't know. No, I got a popular first and last name. So, yeah. Yeah, you do. (laughs) No, but um, in all seriousness, like it has been a pleasure to have you on. I hope that um, you'll come back on in the future. Um, But I really appreciate you. I want to give you your flowers with what you're doing in the community. Um, It's super important. It's needed. now more than ever especially for people that look like us and haven't even had the chance to like learn about this so um yeah just thank you for for coming on today <laughs> thank you for this was fun I, I would love to do it again with you yes just let me know time and time and a date all right <laughs> i got the place right here <laughs> well thank you to everybody else that has tuned into this episode of black girls have anxiety too i appreciate you um i I'm just like blown away by the amount of people that are listening and the amount of amount of love that the podcast is getting. And I am just like really excited that not that the numbers are going up, but that people are actually getting to hear people like Ashley, people are getting to to hear from the guests that I'm bringing on and they have access to some of this, um, you know, the amazing gems that are being dropped every episode. Um, with that being said, if you are a black woman that is a mental health professional and you are interested in uh, talking about whatever topic that you're passionate about or even telling your own story, please reach out to me. Uh, my email's in the description. On the flip side, if you are a black woman and you um, want to share your journey with your own mental health and you are kind of ready to tell the world and ready to share, um, feel free to email me. Like I am always looking for more people to bring on the podcast. I'm always looking to create space for the next person. So if you are interested and in a place where you're ready to share, um, hit me up. Um, you can follow me at black girls have anxiety too. And you can email me at black girls have anxiety too at gmail.com. Follow us on bullhorn.fm and on Twitter anxious black girls that's anxious blk girls yeah that's all those are the only places i'm at actually <laughs> where can the people find you or if somebody wants to get in touch with you um where can they do that yeah so i currently work at a site called richmont trauma center so if you go to richmont trauma um, center.com richmont trauma.com yeah um you will find me there and uh contact me there i also have a Instagram that is a work in progress. If you want to get some inspiration on social media, it is words underscore are not a R E N O N T underscore enough. So words are not enough. Um, as well as my email, if you want to reach me directly, it's Ashley Johnson dot therapy at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, that's it. All right. So all that information for Ashley will be in the description. Make sure you give her a follow, reach out if you're interested in talking to her. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much, Ashley. Thank you to everybody that's listening. That is another episode. Talk soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. No matter where you are in the world, I really appreciate your support. 
See you again on the next episode. But until then, follow us on Instagram at Black Girls Have Anxiety 2 and on Twitter at Anxious Black Girls. That's Anxious BLK Girls. And remember, just because you're struggling doesn't mean you have to struggle in silence. The more we talk about it, the more we heal. <laughs>